I'm on the road a lot, leading meditation circles, brief jumps into the astral plane, and that means I stay in a lot of hotels, many of them questionable, because I'm on a budget. Recently, I was at the Come On In, which isn't that name a hoot. <laughs> this was their Missoula, Montana outpost located right off of Interstate 90, tucked in along a small creek behind a cracker barrel, and directly across from the town pump food store and a Tesla charging station. Because this is America, after all, and while you wait for your $80,000 electric car to charge, why not run in and grab a Rockstar energy drink and a bag of Funyuns? Anywho, you enter this hotel, and right away you see all sorts of taxidermy bears and goats, and one is on top of an indoor waterfall flanked by two hot tubs. And the whole place smells powerfully of chlorine, like eyes watering just standing in the lobby chlorine. But those hot tubs got me thinking, and boy was I surprised to find that as a treat to me, Galinda had booked me in a deluxe ground floor suite complete with an in-room hot tub. Well, darn if I didn't eat a big breakfast for dinner at Cracker Barrel and then head straight for the in-room hot tub, I thought, this thing could use some bubbles. But as it turns out, once you turn on the jets, the soap that I had poured in, which looked meager at first, so I emptied the whole bottle, really started multiplying. And after a few minutes, the entire tub was full, and a vertical tub-shaped wall of bubbles was rising well over my head and filling the space between the bathroom and the rest of the room. I had a good laugh at that, kind of a panicked laugh as I fumbled in the nude for my phone in an attempt to document the moment on Instagram, because this was just too rich. I mean, this is a great moment to be alive, and even though it's summer, it's time to use a special incantation and open the portable mystic portal I keep in my summer fanny pack so that we can travel once more into that extra-dimensional hot tub we call the Deep Night. Oh, friends, hello. It's me, Del Seaver. And I hope your summers are going well, full of fireworks and county fairs and awkward moments around the pool with family members and their neighbors you vaguely remember meeting once before. Yes, crack open another Lima Rita. This is a summer bonus episode of The Deep Night, coming to you, as always, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And, oh, August... August, this is the time to sun yourself down by the Guanee. Even on a cloudy day, you'll get a nice radioactive burn just looking directly at it. My guest today is no stranger to looking directly at things. And when her publisher called me up on the Deep Night Hotline and said, Dale, you got to come back from the beach. This gal has a book out and she wants to talk to you. I said, absolutely. Maeve Higgins is an extraordinary talent. And it was my pleasure to be in a warm room with her in the Deep Night Studios. Now, Maeve has been on the program once before during a live show, but this was the first time we got to really get into it, and I was fortunate to have her wonderful new book, Maeve in America, out everywhere on August 7th from Penguin Books to read in advance of our conversation. Now, the book is great. I like when people write books. I like reading them, and then I like talking about them. If you know Maeve's voice from her appearances on Star Talk or her own podcast, Maeve in America, or just from being one of the bright lights on the comedy circuit, touring all over and her regular show, Butter Boy, at Littlefield in Brooklyn, it's extra special. Because much like On Your Own, Brooke Shields' seminal 1985 autobiography, you read it with her voice in your head. Now, I can't say enough about Maeve and this book. It is funny, warm, generous, open-hearted, much like Maeve herself, full of keen observations about the world. Let's just get to it now. We had such fun talking about some of the topics in the book. Here's my conversation with Maeve Higgins. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you ready? Yep. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's how I start. Seamless. Okay? That's everything. <laughs> Okay, uh, with a kind of confused face. Okay. Are we doing it? <laughs> Is it in? I'm so pleased to see you again and have yeah. you back on the program, Maeve Higgins, talking about your book, yes. the new book, yes. Maeve in America. See, it sounds like Made in America, but it's my name. I get Maeve. it now. I you get do? it. I get it now. Yes. For a while, I just I sat dumbfounded. 
looking at it. <laughs> you were like, why'd oh, they pick this? She has a spelling, a bad spelling mistake on the cover of her book. <laughs> That's right. Somebody, good thing this is just an advanced copy. They can still correct it. <laughs> My goodness, I hope they get that straightened out. And it comes out August 7th, so yes. they have a little time. Yes. And uh, I don't know a lot about publishing, but I smell an Oscar, Maeve. <laughs> I really do. I think I loved it. I think it's great. I acted my butt off for this book. <laughs> it shows. It shows. So first of all, thank you for the work because I enjoyed the book. Thank you for reading. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm so glad. And it was the kind of thing where I thought I got to the last couple of chapters. I thought, okay, I got it. I, I got enough to do do an interview. And then oh. I went. No, I better read all the way through. Oh. And I'm so glad I did because I discovered that we have a yet another thing in common. Oh. We'll talk about a couple of them. But your love of Instagram stories right there in the end. Man. I love Insta stories. I do too. It's my TV. It's my it's it's my TV. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the crux of America, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's mine. No, it's mine. It's mine. More for me. I'm taking your Insta stories away so I can watch them. That's right. Yeah, I you know lie. In various positions around my house, completely inert, just letting my phone cycle through the hours and hours of Insta stories that people put up themselves. Yep. Now, do you, do you, do you like to – you, you can't really organize it. It just happens as it does, right? Yes. So sometimes yeah. you get like, uh, oh, a model in L.A. next to a dog wearing a shirt next to uh, kids eating bologna. Yeah. Usually nothing sad or, or bad. That's true. It's a very sort of aspirational, happy medium. Yep. You know, I think when we say we can't organize it, Instagram are organizing it for us. They <laughs> kindly have built these algorithms to control us. That's, that's um, right. So, yeah, I, I've i noticed that in the top where my stories appear, like the ones I watch most frequently, they like come back they the do. most. Yep. And I often think I justify it because I say, look, yeah, it seems mindless. But, you know, this guy recommended a book and maybe one day, you know, when the internet's over, I will read that book. <laughs> like, I kind of fool myself that it's the sort of helpful exchange, it's sort of this lovely, fluent kind of, you know, language that we have to share ideas. Yes. But um, in reality, I think it's just sort of pretty pictures, like you mentioned, like models, dogs, yep. food. A lot of food. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, never the three shall meet. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever do the thing where you just scroll to the end to see the people you never watch? Just see what no, they're up to. No, because I've quite deliberately, if you watch one person's, then they'll pop back oh, you up don't. closer to your, so it is actually quite, there's like a few people who I'm just like, I can't. No, don't care about it. I, I don't care. I More than don't care, I hate them. <laughs> so I don't want to know about Keep them. them at the end of the algorithm, yeah. for God's sakes. But now I heard that there is an Instagram mute, mute button. Oh, yes, I've um, heard of it. So I'm going to. Probably exercise that, I think. I can never find all the tools. <laughs> you know, do you know Aparna and Anshirla? Yes, I do. So Aparna and I talk about how best to cope with Instagram, the main one, because it's so show-offy and like yep. everyone looks like they have a better life and career than yes. you and it can be difficult to take. And so she follows a lot of waterfall accounts where it's just like water pictures of waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> so they break up the kind of capitalism. And then I follow a lot of horses. <laughs> yeah, different horses. Not competitive ones, no. just pretty ones getting their hair braided, stuff like that. Well, it's a little spiritual touchstone, a little release. It is. A little moment we, for you. We're very, um, very spiritual <laughs> on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It becomes a kind of practice, though, doesn't it? It I mean, is we're, meditative. We're laughing, but it is a little bit something. It's one little thing we can do for ourselves. <laughs> we talk about self-care. You ask me to meditate, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I look at horses on Instagram for a few seconds in between listen, people that I'm jealous of. Listen, you could get a room full of gals doing that mm -hmm. right there in Park Slope. Mm -hmm. I call them my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the great puns. <laughs> in the history. <laughs> oh, it's deep. They just, yeah, they just pop into my brain. That's so good. That's a talent. You ought, to, you ought to pursue that. <laughs> <laughs> now, for some reason, I thought this book was going to be about immigration. Yeah. Which is very hot right now. Oh. Very hot. Really buzzing. Yeah. I mean, a there's some serious issues, but it's buzzing. A lot of people wishing they were immigrants today. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sought-after kind of a thing. Yeah. But even as I traverse the multiverse... 
It's yeah. hot. People are into it. People are talking about it. And uh, it's a kind of a terrible situation yes. right now. Yes. We'll make light of it, but it, but it is terrible what's mm-hmm. happening. And you've seen some of that up up close. But this book is, and it has some accounts of that in the book, mm-hmm. uh, as you did with your podcast that you're going around talking to, taking various immigrant stories. Yeah. But this, uh, more of a personal account of your experience in America. Yes, because I'm one of the extremely lucky immigrants in that I'm white, I'm European, I was well connected in my industry. So I got this O1 visa, which is a Alien of Extraordinary Ability visa. And, you know, it's a very... I would say generous visa. I can live here. It's three years long at a time. I can work, you know, wherever I want. It's, it gives me a lot of freedom. Yeah. So I got that visa, and then it's really in contrast to a lot of immigrants' experience, which I think um, people will know about. Which is America is like a fortress. It's very difficult to get in here, and even once you do get in, you're you don't have the same rights as citizens which a lot of people are completely fine with, but I'm not fine with. No, <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> um, and I think that more and more people coming um, from place, if you're black or you're brown, basically, you have a much worse time as an immigrant in this country. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole time. I yes. mean, now especially, but that yeah. it was never good. No, it's it's always been racialized. In fact, yeah. I saw, oh, my God, Mike Pence is one of the, you know, he's your fashion icon. And, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and your radio. I've got his poster up in my. <laughs> <laughs> Love those sunken eyes. In my hate room. <laughs> right. But, you know, he often talks about how his grandfather came from, he came from a place called Clare. No, was he Mayo or Clare? I don't, the West Coast of Ireland. Yeah. In 1922, right? Sure. He loves to talk about this. He, like, had a meeting with, like, lots of Latino business leaders. And he was like, you guys, you just have to be like my granddad, okay? He pulled himself up by his bootstraps. He came over with nothing. And, like, why can't you be like him? That kind of thing. And he loves to, like, bang on that terrible, stupid, uh, also fake drum. Because... When his grandfather came over from Ireland, he was already at an advantage. You didn't need papers or a visa, so he could just come in, especially if you were white. And because at the time there was a Chinese Exclusion Act, right? So had his granddad been, in fact, it was a lot of different agents. So if it had been Japanese from the Philippines, if he'd been Chinese, he wouldn't even even been allowed in. Right. Then they settled in Chicago, and he worked as a, a bus conductor. Mm-hmm. You were not allowed to work as a bus conductor if you were black at the time. You could so barely you ride had... the bus if you were black at the exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. So he already had all these advantages, yet Mike Pence acts like, oh, he was just like a brave little person from Ireland. But that's what I am. <laughs> that's right. And you're not the same. <laughs> and I'm pulling myself up by my bootstraps. <laughs> that's, I, I, I don't like that phrase. Uh, isn't it the worst? It's the worst. Yeah. It's, it's also so clumsy. It's an, clumsy. An what what are the straps attached to exactly? Do they come up and go? Where are the straps? <laughs> There's this really cool artist, um, Camila Janan Rashid, and she has like, I can't remember exactly the phrase. I'm probably going to murder, but but she's like, how do I? Where are my bootstraps when I don't have any boots? <laughs> right. You know? Yes. <laughs> and also, it's true. Even if you do have boots, what? maybe there were special immigrant boots that they were given at Ellis Island which is kind of a dreary place when you get there dreary now it seems a little I mean the hall is quite stunning yeah yeah. but like but imagine that filled with people that had just gotten off a boat yeah you know it stinks it stinks but I think that they did it deliberately I mean when you consider the alternative now which is the airports (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> LaGuardia is no better. No, I, you know, I flew into JFK last night, actually. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah. Um, my first time flying a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean on selecting JFK as your destination. <laughs> you could have picked Newark. Terrible. Awful. Terrible. Awful. Worse than LaGuardia. I'll say it. It is. Yes. Absolutely. It's further. It's further. And it's in New Jersey. And it's in New Jersey. <laughs> The thing you don't know about Newark is it's a new traffic. <laughs> Little known secret <laughs> for those of you just tuning in. Um, well, it is. It's a. It's a problem. Yeah, isn't it? And you you got Donnie out there saying, "Well, my you know mm. mother was born over here in Scotland," and making a big deal about that. He keeps saying that like 
his father was born in Germany, but yeah. he wasn't. No. Well, he says everything. <laughs> I know, but None that's of it like, matters. Uh, true. It's all lies. But that is a funny little lie to make up, don't you think? I, I, take <laughs> your pick. I really, I don't know what to say anymore. He just told us, don't believe what you, what you see or what you hear. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll just go along with whatever happens. No, that's really true. But your book, I was expecting, and in fact, it, it reminded me yeah. a little bit of Gary Young's Stranger in a Strange Land, which, much to the dismay of many Amazon reviewers, has nothing to do with grokking a gown named Dorcas, <laughs> uh, but is instead, a, you know, a, a London journalist coming and going through America. And that was a few years ago. Mm. It's probably in the 90s or something. Oh, yeah. But uh, interesting, if you haven't read it. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. I love I love English Writers. <laughs> I don't well, even know why I said that. Well, he's one. <laughs> I do love that you pick up on certain currents in American life, certain things that are mm-hmm. inherent to uh, the way we have evolved thus far mm-hmm. in this country, because I do think it's always changing, it seems to me, and hopefully we get to the point where it's changing for the better. Yes. But things that are sort of weirdly emblematic of us, small talk, we're not good at it. I don't think so. No. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. I mean, I don't like it, personally. I don't like it. I'm What's a person... What's your opener when you... Uh, I don't even know. I don't... Yeah. You saw me. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is happening now. But you see me on an elevator, something like that. I'm like yeah. a monk. Silence. I, nothing. I'm not the guy that says, well, guess we got the local, you know, when it stops on every yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, not yeah. me. <laughs> I appreciate that guy being there. <laughs> You know, just piercing that tension bubble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the... It's hard because it's such a... um, It's such a tonal thing and it's such a kind of innate... Well, it's not innate. It's learned, but from such a young age that it's kind of hard to explain what I mean when I say to him because there's but we're so friendly and we tell you anything and it's like exactly that's not small talk that's often really big talk you know I think the time it struck me was when I was at a children's birthday party and the da- it was like a Brooklyn kids party where there was lots of dads there and I'm familiar um, <laughs> and like it also was one that like blended which I don't find comfortable blends like day into night like kids like adults are drinking and kids mm. are, you know like and mm. I'm just like what what is this and uh, you know two of the dads in moments apart kind of said to me you know it's, uh, it's something you regret at times having a child you know <laughs> just kind of really heavy like it's hard. It's the hardest thing. And you lose parts of your, you know, just really getting into it, like what it meant to them. These are people that I was like, are you online for the Bouncy Castle? Like they're not <laughs> people that I know or will ever see again who are just like, hey, you know what? I'm open. And like the thing is, growing up in Ireland, that's what I thought I wanted. I longed for people to be very straightforward and like tell me what they were thinking because Ireland is so coded and weird and secretive. But now I'm I I can't bear it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no more of that. <laughs> it, it is true, isn't it? It was just a. It'll take like a wine spritzer, and then we're talking about our fear of being alone. Oh, completely. <laughs> I mean, it, it really doesn't take much. I was I was at one of these parties, mm-hmm. you know, where they have the children and everything, mm. and I was invited to stay. They had a whole. The parents had a spread. Now this is a children's party. Yeah. They had the spread with the sandwiches. Would you like to stay? Mm. I said no. <laughs> I felt bad. And I've yeah. never talked to those people again. But I felt I felt bad. Wait, did you leave your child there? It, or uh, you, it the wasn't was my over. child, but I was I was dropping off a oh. child there for my niece. Le- 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 left the child there. And you said, see you later. That, that's right. Yeah, that's appropriate. I thought so too. Yeah. Yes. We don't need to do this. Let's no. not pretend. No, 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 no. We want a break from them. and That's right. I have an hour yeah. where I'm not responsible for this you child. You want to L- check me... your Insta stories. I, I, want to, I want to check Insta <laughs> stories, see if there's any crystals that have posted pictures. <laughs> I tell you, I'll buy anything on Instagram, though. Really? Any of the people, the ads, I'm so thankful for the ads. I've bought so many things from them. <laughs> I just bought a beautiful smoky citrine <laughs> yesterday. Oh, I thought Lady your chakras were gleaming. The... Your, I thought your cha- heart chakra was gleaming. Thank you. Put it away. 
Thank you. But I did like what you said about this small talk thing in yeah. Ireland, that you can actually understand something about it because you know the code. It's yes. familiar code to you. Yeah. So that when you're hearing, when you're interacting uh, in, in Ireland or with an Irish person, I assume, mm-hmm. you know the rhythms of the small talk and you can identify where that person is and what they're conveying to you. Exactly. So you can sort of exchange a few words and you think, okay, like I'm safe now with this person. For Say you're on a train Yeah, is a good example. The train from Cork to Dublin is like two hours, 45 minutes long, which is quite a stretch of time. Yeah. So you don't want to be completely silent to the person beside you because you might need to like get up or ask them to watch your stuff. And you've got no way of doing that if you haven't been some way humane to them. You yeah. know, you can't just be like, watch it. Watch my laptop. You know, having sat there silently with your headphones on. You have to have some little connection. Also, you know, you don't want you to check. Are they a killer? Are they crazy in some way? Are they... Who is this person? Yeah. So, yeah, just a few words. I think there's a... What's really handy in Ireland is there's tea trolleys in all the trains. So there's like a lady who walks up and down oh, with a trolley. Like on Hogwarts. Tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except imagine that person, that lady on the train to Hogwarts with long acrylic nails. <laughs> <laughs> Done. <laughs> it takes me no time. <laughs> and then um, so often you can just say like, I wonder when there's the trolley coming, yeah. you know, huh. just yeah. as soon as sure. you sit down. Yeah. That's, that's, the trolley on this train. The trolley's on every train. Yeah. And then they say, like, it is, but maybe often the sandwiches are gone. Because, like, there's only a limited supply of sandwiches. Then yes. it goes down to pastries. Then there's just little chocolate bars. <laughs> so you just have a little quick chit-chat about the trolley. Yeah. Then you both settle down. You both, like, we're aware of each other. And we know that we're safe here. Yeah. And if we do need something, this is my train friend. Just yeah. for the next couple of hours. You don't need... We never say to each other... Hey, what are you working on? <laughs> you know? Hey, so how do you know how do you know Phil? No, that is so rude. And I can't believe when people do that here. What are you working on? Huh? Well, last time I saw you were at 538. Where are you now? I just what? don't be so rude. It's so nosy. Yeah. What do you do? Oh my god. <laughs> That's not worse the thing. Nightmare. Hi. Yeah. And often at parties like not that I like go to so many parties. Come on now, Maeve. No, five a week, Max. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I do find at parties when you're talking to someone, they'll often cut through a fun nonsense conversation because they're like remember themselves and they kind of say, you know, you're just talking about, you know, wouldn't it be funny if someone put their hand in the ice bucket coming up? You know, so that when you reached in to get a drink, yeah. they would, you know, something basic, yep. kind of 1980s humor. But yes, it would be funny. It would, wouldn't it be so funny? Yes. Cold for that trickster. <laughs> but, but worth it. So worth it. So like you speculate, uh, you're speculating on that. And then the person kind of like, oh, wait, though. Um, where do you work? Or like, how do you know James? Hey, are you, who do you write for? It's just so tedious. Yeah. They wreck it. They take all the air out of it, you know. We're terrible people. They're terrible people. <laughs> yes, they are. The ones doing that horrible work. Uh, I, like, I also like uh, you, uh, going home or you uh, you I don't like when you're on the plane. <laughs> I don't need to tell you where I'm going. You know, yes. You go out, out for business. Out for yeah. What, 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 you don't need to know where I live. I know, but the <laughs> the thing that's misguided is, I don't think people actually want to know. They're just like used to being in these passions of conversation. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think that. Well, I guess in the kind of where do you work and where do you live, they are trying to see how important are you. <laughs> like true, and establish some kind of commonality. Yes. Like if you work with, you know, let you work on this street. Oh, I've been to that street. Oh, yeah. Oh, do, do they have a Starbucks on that street? <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> but there was there was a thing that I, I certainly have been guilty of as a child. Yeah. I think that I've shaken it. Oh, gosh, I hope so. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking to uh, someone who may be different appearances, appearance-wise, yeah. you say, uh, it has been common to say, where are you from? Right. Which is a loaded question and not altogether polite. Mm, yeah, it's the truth. You, you don't want to say that one anymore. No. Do you get that still? 
Where are you from? I mean, you get that if you're. I mean, I because I have one... an accent that's different to an American accent, so exactly. I sometimes get asked it. But like, it's not as loaded or coded. I think if you're white in this country, sure, yeah. Um, so I think. Yeah, where are you really from? Is definitely a question. <laughs> That's the that one. Lasts. Turn it up. <laughs> yeah, That's I can see you're different. A lame. Yeah, like yeah. It's so it's just so rude. It's very rude. And what do you think about the word alien? Um, I think it's really, you know, it's funny when I first got my visa because, like I said, my visa was alien of extraordinary ability. That was right. five years ago, and I kind of got a kick out of it. Yeah. And I think it's like a funny thing to tell people, you know, like I'm an alien of ex, you know, well, like a show, a boastful <laughs> thing to talk about. <laughs> right. It's like you're a guardian of the galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can shoot lasers out of your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Out of my butt. <laughs> Well, <laughs> see who got too personal too fast. <laughs> now you're really adapting <laughs> to the country. <laughs> Hi, I'm Maeve, and I can shoot lasers out of my butt. Where's the dip? Um, Good, you can stay here for three years. <laughs> you're just what we need. <laughs> but now, recently, um, I just saw on the news two days ago that uh, the DHS doesn't want to call people undocumented immigrants anymore. They're insisting on referring to them as aliens. And this battle over the language used, I think, is really interesting. And it's, of course, aliens. Jeff Sessions never misses an opportunity to say aliens. Mm. Like, I think it's very deliberate and it's a real othering. It's like the most othering word you can have. It literally means like not of this world. Right. You know, so I think it's very deliberate. So I don't use it anymore. Well, and that's surprising, given given his elf heritage, <laughs> that he would be so. <laughs> I know, but you know, often it's like, "What's deep within you?" is what you really hate. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I think true. He is an alien. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of these uh, folks. I guess that's not nice to say, but. No, they, I know. They... You know what? I I definitely. Ooh, excuse me. I definitely know how like. Like how bent out of shape I am when I start like mocking what like Sessions looks like or Mitch McConnell looks like and I also feel so helpless when I that's what I find myself doing because <laughs> right. it's just like oh god it's come to this <laughs> I mean it is it is sort of amazing when you look at the when you look at them though yeah they look the least like humans <laughs> <laughs> let alone from any country just some other creature McConnell has to have a turtle in his uh, I know. background see, there. Do that twenty three and me swab. Like like he's I mean, I can't bear his uh his his ideas and his actions, but he does like to me he looks like a very old nun, like an old Irish nun. And I would <laughs> wish I mean I'd love to put a variety of like wigs and hats on him, but especially love to put on a habit on him. <laughs> It would look good. I agree. <laughs> he looks so pious and worried all the time, and his little tiny mouth would never been kissed. <laughs> that or like a, spar a, a sparkly blonde wig would be cool too. Yeah, let loose a little. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, uh, now I mentioned earlier that I would be quick to tell you how I have a fear of being alone. Yes. So that's true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But now you also identified that as something not uh, not so much. You're fine being alone, but the loneliness yeah. that starts to creep in afterwards. Yeah, I noticed last year. Was it like it was like maybe three times a week mm -hmm. that I'd be like, "What is this? Ugh, what is this feeling?" And I'm alone almost all the time because I'm a writer and I'm a comedian. But like yes. I'm a stand-up comedian, so that means I'm traveling by myself. I'm not like in a band. You know what a stand-up comedian is. I've heard of it. But like writing is completely <laughs> solitary and stand-up is too, apart from the like 20 minutes that you're on stage speaking to a bunch of strangers and you don't let them speak back to you. Right. So it's all a very solitary sort of uh, existence. But then I really like that. And like I grew up in a huge family in a cramped space and I always loved like the idea of now I live on my own. Yeah. And I just love it and I love being quiet and just but but then last year I started to feel like lonely. Yeah. And that was like, oh, oh, no, I don't know what to do. 
Because that's such a strange, like, metaphysical feeling too. Yep. Because, like, if it starts to, like, echo around inside you, I guess you can kind of go and grab someone or, like, a group and do something, but it's, like, in there. Yeah, it's hard to even take that first step to get a group. I mean... Yeah, I don't. If, I mean, to even step outside is sometimes like, oh, <laughs> when I, I don't want to do it. It's not clear what I like. Maybe I mean, um, I've never done this, but like maybe you know, online there's like meetups. Do you like frisbee? Let's all get together or something <laughs> oh, like that. Yes. Like I've never, yeah, you know. But maybe that's how you go about it. I don't really know. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to meet some other lonely people there. Yeah. The Frisbee Club. <laughs> <laughs> but they have meetups for everything. Sure. You know, but I know I would just, you know, I'd never do that. Yeah. But I guess once the, to to me, I mean, I've had it where it sinks into really depression. And yeah. then then it's like, I, you know, stepping outside is a real challenge. Oh, and my you gosh, almost, yeah. And you have to force yourself to do it. Or and like, even then, sometimes I'll just run, get a little pastry and come back. <laughs> Those are the saddest days. I'm past most of that now. <laughs> What? <laughs> Just a little, the quick croissant run. That's right. And then Tuesday's over. Tuesday is done. <laughs> I know when it gets really bad for me, I know when it's bad because I'm, you know, lying or sitting there and I'm picturing doing things, that... simple things. Like I'm picturing I could just put on those shoes that are over there and then I could text so-and-so and then I could write such and such but the, I'm just picturing it as if it's like this faraway film that I'm watching. Yep. And I'm actually doing none of those things. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not contributing to anything you need. You need. Oh, you know, no, it, it's so unhelpful. Like, one of the things about, I think, isolating when you're depressed is like just how, um, like, as a driven person, it's so frustrating. Yes. Because you're just kind of like... There goes a day, there goes a week, <laughs> you know. Right. And yes. I think, I mean, I don't really know, I don't know, I haven't really, like, studied my productivity enough, but, like, I think that I have, like, those spells of, you know, lounging around, kind of, doing nothing, being very down, and then I have, like, a productive burst. I mean, I must, because that's how I must get my work done. Right. But in those dips... That it feels completely hopeless. Yes, it is a chasm. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, this is where I live now, down in the pit. And I think there is a danger in thinking, this is my process. Yeah. So I have to get to but that wait, point I was before just, I can do it. I was just thinking that. I was just trying to figure out, is that is that a good excuse I could use? You don't think it is? <laughs> Well, I, I don't I don't I mean, I don't think being in that chasm is particularly helpful. No, I don't either. And so if you can eliminate that part of it, there definitely has to be time where you kind of charge up your cells to then put it back out in the world, you know. Oh, Have experiences yeah. and see that kind of stuff. And then it comes really quickly. That's yeah. for me all the time. But you get that. that. Yeah, that dip doesn't help anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That doesn't have, that's not like, yeah, because I don't mean, you know, hey, you know what? I'm a bit blue, so I'm going to go to the museum. <laughs> And I'm just going to look at, I'm, a, I'm on an artist date with myself. Uh, it's not like that. It's no. more just like, oh, I can't seem to move my legs. <laughs> yes. Why is everything so heavy? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, what are, are you going to be on a book tour? Is that going to be okay for you? I'm not going on a book tour, actually. I'm just going to do a few events in New York City. Oh, good. Because I've got this dog now who oh. needs me here. Yeah, you got to stay close. <sighs> Well, that's good. She, a responsibility. Yeah. She'll keep you out of the trough. She, <laughs> I think so. I mean, she's definitely, she is literally a black dog, which is what Winston Churchill named his depression, which I only realized <laughs> after I got her. She is this black dog that follows me around very closely and breathes on me quite a lot. Mm. <laughs> but the thing is great about having a dog is you do have to get up every morning with her. Yeah. And go to the park and then people, you like chat to people there and it's like a lovely little ritual. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, it's obviously punctuated by picking up shit off the ground. Right. <laughs> and also just like. It's the part I like least about that <laughs> concept. <laughs> really so really humbling. keeps me away from it. So humbling. Um, 
But yeah, so she honestly, I would say to anyone who is if who can do it, get a dog. And you, this is a rescue dog. Yes. Yes. Which I mean, I got. She's of... not like a wrecked rescue dog. Like I write in the book about these kind of status symbol dogs who are, you know, quite ruined. <laughs> right. <laughs> Psychologically, physically, physically yeah. you know, in every way. And the, and New Yorkers treasure them even more, like the more messed up they are. Right. And they have behavioral problems and like one leg and all the rest. But a very big Instagram following. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Often. <laughs> I know my friend's dog is brain damaged and she's a chihuahua and she's so funny looking and she has a huge following. The Bells of Brooklyn. Yeah. Shout out. Spawn Con. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> but my dog, Shadow, her name is. Um, she isn't like a Instagram dog. No. She's just, no. Just a good companion dog. Yeah, she's yeah. just like a solid Well, I did librarian. enjoy, you were writing about um, uh, about rescue dogs and taking in pets of different kinds. Mm-hmm. You said, well, if you really strike it rich, which, let me tell you, this book... Yeah. You're probably on your way. I think so. A lot of money in you would, there. You would, that, this is what I heard. <laughs> I got to get it together. Because podcasting, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> I'm, I'm going on 10 years. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> oh, no. But the, yeah. point, the point is, uh, you, you talked about animals you might uh, take in if you were uh, sort of super wealthy, right? Like you might take yeah, in I a, wouldn't take in like a... You know, a pug with a limp. I would take in an ostrich. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. And I think you even mentioned an emu, which is related to a... Oh, yeah. To the ostrich. Did I upgrade to an uh, an emu in the book? Yeah. You may have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the trajectory you know, of you settling on that. put it out in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But I love the idea of having an exotic animal uh, kind of situation. And uh, recently, I was in rural Ohio mm-hmm. uh, meeting with a fellow named Bob. Mm-hmm. Now, Bob has an emu. And this emu was deranged. They couldn't deal with it at the zoo. And they, 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 he brought him in. And uh, I'm telling you this, yeah. Maeve, uh, this emu is not an attractive-looking bird. Oh. But he said, now, you want to you wanna hu- hug it? You want to rug it, rub its neck? I thought, mm, not really. Uh. But okay, we're here. And he said, now, go put your arms out like uh. you're going to hug it. So I put my arms out. And the, the emu named Moo it raises its tail feathers a little bit, and it lowers its head into your chest, oh and then you're gosh. rubbing the neck. It's not a pleasant experience, but you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? And the thing, it, he was like, wow, look at that. He's, he's almost falling asleep. He's so comfortable with you. Oh, my God. I mean, what about that? It's pretty good. But does he have a big body? Yeah. And so, but he just curls his head and neck just into you? Just curls the head, yeah. What? Yeah. But this this moo was given to your friend because it was on it couldn't handle the zoo. That's right. I, I don't know if I would call Bob a friend yet, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> he runs an animals kind of sanctuary. He also raises wallabies. Uh, and they he, are. Could you hug one of them? They're so cute. Yeah, you, we we pet one. He had an albino one. Now, Ew. all things considered, I'd rather see a normal <laughs> one. <laughs> I don't want to exhibit some prejudice there, but an. Albino anything is off-putting a little bit at first. I was happy to welcome well, it into my heart. Well, it's just the wallaby. You want to? It would be like um, with those red eyes. It was the <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's the right shape. It's doing the right thing. Yeah. But the red eyes are yeah. unnerving. Yeah. yeah unnerving. Yeah. They're so red. You don't understand what's happening there. Oh it just God. looks like red marbles <laughs> in a white fur coat. But now this guy, Bob. Yeah. He raises these baby wallabies by putting them in a pouch and then he s- sits in a recliner and he sleeps with them so they can imprint on the heartbeat of Bob. Oh my god. Could you do that, Maeve? Does he murder their mothers? I don't believe so. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't come up in the tour. <laughs> I would happily I would love to do that. He, he rescued it. It was a rescue animal as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. The, the mother had uh, couldn't care for it. The zoo didn't want it. Sometimes yeah, they don't so want albinos. Asking, would I like to take care of furry baby animals? Yeah. Where I just had to kind of recline. That's right. With them. That's right. I would love to do that. I, I, I thought you might. Oh my god, heaven! <laughs> yeah. And you could just be like, I better just listen to a podcast <laughs> because Georgina needs to imprint them with my heartbeat. That's right. 
and that's your work. That's your that's your job. Oh yep. my god! Then you sell them later for five grand or something like that. Pretty good. Hubba hubba. Listen, Ohio's got it figured out. <laughs> and then you have all of these wallabies all across the country who are synchronized with your heartbeat. That's right. You can activate them at any time <laughs> to do your bidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wallabies unite. But I love getting out there and seeing Bob and talking to Bob. And you, of course, have gone across the country talking to so many people. Yeah. You've developed that as a skill of yours. I've never been to Ohio. Is that where you said he was? That's right. And I've never been there, but I do love meeting people and talking to people. And often, actually, animals are really good in. Yeah. Aren't they? They are. Yeah. Because like there's from, something for, happening. For my immigration podcast, I talked to this one man. He's Iraqi. And he had the most magnificent cat who really, like, broke the ice. You see? Yeah. Yeah. She was, like, very snooty. Like, she was, it wasn't, like, a cute thing. <laughs> she was just, like, ugh, like, clearly furious that we were in her home. And it was just, like, very funny. And, it, yeah, you know, I related to the whole thing. And so we got chatting about that. And actually, I hate when interviews are, like, purposefully, you know, trying to make the person emote. Or, you know, there's this whole storytelling industry now where it's, yes. like, First of all, you have to really reveal something horrific that happened to you and then how you got over it. And then, you know, yep. um, so I never wanted to do that. But the one time um, that he got emotional was talking about the cat, actually, <laughs> which is so now, this sweet. man was a interpreter for the uh, U.S. Army during the invasion of Iraq. And then he was separated from all his family. He was separated from his partner. All this stuff had happened to him. But it was like the cat that that got him. Yeah. In the interview, at least. I think animals, uh, yeah. food. Yeah. Uh, sometimes uh, children. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Horses, waterfalls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. They really got us figured out. <laughs> but I'd love to go across the country and talk to people that are doing things in basements, in garages. Yeah. What's happening? Open up the garage door. Let's see it. Let's see what's... Because well, cu culture is changing at that level. Yeah, but I would say, don't you think the whole... What's happening in garages has been totally co-opted by all these terrible startup bros. They're always like, hey, you know what? I did it in my garage. Well, sure. But, uh, uh, but I mean, when you sit there with Bob and he's showing you fossils, he's come, he's dug out of the wall mm. in the river next to the Indian burial mound. And the turkeys are doing this. And there's a little shih tzu that chases the <laughs> turkeys around named Yoda. It's uh, Something else happens, you know. Yeah. And I'm more interested in that. I mean, yes, there's the things happen in the garage. I think even more is happening in the basement. But uh, whoo, hey, you got to you got to be a little brave. What about that guy who hacked the election? <laughs> Wasn't he in the basement? That's the one I want to find. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that would be that would be such a lovely time to just travel around and be like, hey, what are you up to? Yeah, I feel like David Sedaris does that a little bit. Mm -hmm. like he doesn't like he just talks to people and meets them and asks them questions and I like that he doesn't always like uh, transfer it into like material for a right. thing and you'd know because he's your father he's my dad <laughs> according to the blurb on the book David <laughs> he, Sedaris he, my he, father Tina Fey you know, uh, <laughs> Tina Fey is my mom drunken night after a city <laughs> arts and lectures event in San Francisco <laughs> <laughs> Cheating on their both of their partners. With Michael Krasny. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, we haven't talked about Ireland, mm -hmm. and I feel like we should do that. Yeah? What, uh, what we would can you like move to know? from basements. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to know about Ireland? Well, my grandfather. Yes, really? Who was a minister and enjoyed microwaved meals for one, oh. would often uh, talk about in his thick Canadian brogue uh -huh. about his uh, ancestors, from Ireland, and of course they were from the northern part of Ireland. Yeah, because he was a Protestant. He was mm -hmm. Presbyterian, mm -hmm. and he would always say, "Now St. Patrick's Day, you have to wear orange." This oh. this is not good advice for a young person. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen a person wearing orange like that? Do they do that? No. Nobody's happy for that person. I found. Yeah. What was no. he trying to make you? What was he trying to make you do? I don't know. I thought there were there were three colors of the flag. Right. And the skin is white, and you're supposed to be one of the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I haven't. I guess he was. That was kind of a nod to the Protestant. Right. Are there things? Orange men? Is that a thing? Yeah. Is that what he was doing? Do you I think? guess. Yeah. But then why celebrate St. Patrick's? Orange men have their own holidays. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems a bit like picky to say, let's do the Irish one. 
on the wrong day. It seemed a little bit like a protest, I guess. I think so. Well, why do I want to do that? I think he was radicalizing a, a little toddler. <laughs> I think so. I think so. that's what he was doing with the orange. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, I, I only tried it a couple of times, and it was never it never felt right. But but nobody would be like, oh, I see what you're registering, the ancient hatred of the Ulsterman. No. But like, they would just be like, everyone's wearing green. There's like Haitian kids in your school like wearing green. That's right. <laughs> the elementary school set was not quite tuned in to the troubles. To ancient, yeah, <laughs> yeah. geopolitical strife, no. It wasn't big, it wasn't big. So you've never encountered a lonely orange person in March I haven't. <laughs> no, I certainly haven't. I think, um, what should I do? My favorite thing on St. Patrick's Day, although they often have it like at the weekend, which isn't always the 17th of March, is the uh, St. Pat's for All Parade, which happens in Queens in New York. That's a really fun festival. It's just a two hour long parade. It's like the big one that happens in the city, except it's much smaller and more community focused and uh, it's very inclusive because for a long time the big parade didn't allow gay people, which is funny. Right. It's not funny, but it's just like you're not going to allow gay people in your parade. <laughs> They're the best at parades. <laughs> That's right. No wonder your parade is so boring. Um, so this group in Queens called St. Pat's for All set up their own um, St. Patrick's Day parade. Yeah. And it just runs from Woodside to Sunnyside. And um, they even get puppets from like a rescue puppet they get rescue puppets <laughs> they collect them down in Yonkers or something um, which are puppets that are like a bit broken or oh, old I know exactly what you mean when you say rescue puppets <laughs> and then they distribute them to like the local kids and they're all part of the parade and it's just ludicrous it's, it sounds wonderful yeah and uh, yeah, yeah so I would much prefer it right much more fun I think get a yeah. good rescue puppet Parade. Yeah. It's better than the harpist. Better than the harpist. Better than. <laughs> On what a wagon. They have to pull the harpist along. <laughs> Always looks and uncomfortable. It looks so uncomfortable. They're jolting along with this huge <laughs> instrument between their legs. And also, like, the, the, it doesn't really travel. Like, harp, the sound of the harp doesn't really travel. <laughs> it's just, you have to be real close. <laughs> Gather in, kids. <laughs> Is that an electric harp? Why are you bothering? <laughs> oh, we, my family hated when he plugged in. <laughs> the harpist. <laughs> it's a big scandal. But now as a comedian, mm -hmm. you also talk about comedy in the book? I do. Which I'm grateful for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's you know a what? kind Not of... Not enough people talk about comedy. Finally. <laughs> I'm scouring the book. Okay, fine, fine, fine. How about comedy? No, but uh, you talk about something that I really uh, love. First of all, that I always feel a need uh, as a person of Irish descent, mm -hmm. which sounds like we're riding an escalator together, but fine. <laughs> uh, that there's a, I want to be invisible <laughs> most of the time, and that I'm good at the like the whispering thing where you put the hand up, oh, yeah, and yeah. The, and the, just a sly observation in the mm -hmm. back of the room. Maybe mm -hmm. you're in a church, who knows where it is, and you just you have a little, but you're you're seeing the world, you're listening, yeah. keen listeners, right? And then plug it, plugging it back in. But one of the other things that I liked the, the way you described it. The elevated art of that sort of cunning cut yeah. down. You know, you put the knife in and you know just how to turn yeah. it with a person. And that's, is you think that's an Irish thing? Is that just something to your family? That's the way that you. Uh... It's certainly the way I grew up, but it's a lot, it's how a lot of my friends in Ireland operate too. Yeah. And it's a kind of easy connection I have with Irish people that I meet all over the world. We say a slightly cruel thing to each other. Right. And then we laugh a lot and we're kinsmen. Right. But <laughs> the, I, there's the, uh, the art is knowing exactly what that thing is to say, though. Oh, yeah. That's the beauty. There's a, a Marvel superhero character uh, named Karnak. He lives on the yeah. moon. It's yeah. the same name as the Johnny Carson thing, but different. Okay. He, this character can pick out weaknesses, whatever the oh weakness is. So he can walk in a room and see an Ikea shelf is not put together properly. Properly, yeah. missing a screw, wham, take it down. But yeah. it's similar, right? You approach it, you know where that little thing is, that little trigger is that you're going to be able yeah. to get them on. Isn't it horrifying? I think that's, I guess that's why in families we're so good at it because we know each other very well. Yes. Whereas with strangers, it takes a minute to feel them out. With Chris <laughs> Gethard, it was instant for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I actually felt bad. I did a web series with Chris. I did an episode with it. I still feel bad about it because of the way that I framed it, I realized it was a little too mean. And he was probably at his most vulnerable. 
<laughs> but yes, he really lays himself out there. Oh, well, I, I don't know if it's evident exactly, but in the beginning, I, I kind of, oh I rib him a little too much. Oh, good. But even the aftermath, a shook gathered is a good gathered. <laughs> but, you know, we went to the graveyard together, and I what? said, how do you want to die? And that's when he really opened up. <laughs> oh, my God. But then we had horrible hot dogs together. Anyhow. Oh, my God. But you know it's funny because I just on the subway there's a subway poster for like the Bruce Willis roast yes and that's going to be yeah. on TV soon yes and I was like oh like the idea of roast I know a lot of people don't like them because you know they're cruel or they go too far but I'm like it's just so obvious right and like you're just gonna sit there and pelt him right you know with there's no subtlety or cleverness or real cruelty there. Right, because they don't really know the person. No. It's based on the idea of that person. Yes, yeah. And I, uh, like you, appreciate that really knowing someone. But that can backfire in a relationship. Oh, (laughs) that's why you got to stay out of them. That's right. You got to stay on your own. Get a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but it's true, right? Americans, they don't always appreciate that, especially colleagues. Bosses, I find. <laughs> really not respond react well. very poorly. They don't like it. No. They don't like it. But now you have also another podcast. You've started a new one? Yes. This one's all about climate change? I'm so sorry. <laughs> if you're yawning, just the thought of it. <laughs> oh, my God. Climate change is a big issue. <laughs> you have to take stock. <laughs> yeah, I. it's actually, I just... I just got like a wave of like, uh, I think it's just no oxygen or something in here. But, it's um, close. It is a close room. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> There's only been one episode where I had to go out and buy a shirt after oh doing it because I sweat through my shirt so much, which I don't know why I keep bringing that up. <laughs> but it was, You don't even have to tell anyone. It was shocking to me. It was shocking to me. <laughs> That's why I bring it up. I'm not over it. <laughs> <laughs> and later, when your own body confronts you in that way, <laughs> yeah, yes. it's like really hard to come back from that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll t- we'll get the fan on soon, but things are warming up in here in the world. Yeah. And then you've got the new show. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> yeah. Seamless. I am. Um, yes, I do. I have a new Ten podcast. Years. <laughs> This podcast has been going for 10 years, uh, or your different iterations? No, th- th- this will be, yeah, but yeah, 10 years mm-hmm. uh, in February, so we're just shy of it, but okay. we're, we're coming up on it. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. That's yeah. when the big bucks are going to flow oh, in. Oh, wait, just you and I will wait, <laughs> and then Wallaby Ranch ahead. <laughs> um, yes, it's a climate justice podcast that I... Um, there's, the first season is just finished, yeah. but the there's one episode coming out per week. So the first one yeah. actually came out two days ago. And it's me and it's Mary Robinson, who's the main host, who's the former president of Ireland. Oh, She's yes. this unbelievably brilliant woman. She was a human rights lawyer. Then she became president of Ireland. And then she was the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. And then she got like very interested in climate justice. Which is basically like a, it's a way of dealing with climate change, but you, like with a human focus and kind of a human rights focus. And definitely, this podcast that we're doing is fem is if looking at it through a feminist lens. Yes, we interview lots of women who are working um, to stop climate change, but not in like a gross like adding problems onto problems, which happens a lot, I think. Yes. Yeah, we've created the problem. Now we're going to invent something to fix the problem, which is also going to be problematic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I actually hear a ton of talk about, um, <laughs> like, how can we colonize Mars? And, like, yeah. so many people putting a lot of money into, like, let's just try and, like, make Mars habitable for when we burn this planet. And it's just <laughs> like, you guys, it's not too late. So <laughs> Also, that's not a, not a great idea. Yeah, but do you know that people are really seriously putting oh, billions of dollars into yes, that idea? Yes, no, I know. But, I mean, we haven't thought about what it means to have people on Mars. What is that going to do to that place? Oh, well, I don't think people care about no, the no. actual... Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Because <laughs> they don't care about this one. That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's honestly been such a trip. I just started doing the podcast this year and interviewing all of these women from all around the world. And that's been 
really I know the whole podcast isn't like an important journey for me, <laughs> but it has been that too. It yes. It's been really, yeah. actually really invigorating. And also before I, I obviously knew about climate change, but I felt quite stuck. Like, and I also thought, I didn't even think this consciously, but I think from my behavior, I was definitely acting like there's not that much I can do. I'm just a person. And it's very gloomy. Right. Most of the coverage is. Um, but then I found out about climate justice and the kind of political and ethical lens that they use to face climate change. And that really made sense to me. Yeah. So, yeah. So the podcast is interesting. I think um, the first one we have is about litigation, which is about citizens suing their own governments. Mm-hmm. And so there's a big case coming up in October, actually, of there's 19 kids, American kids who are oh, suing right. the, <laughs> the government. Right. Now, they filed in 2015. So it's right through it's not just Trump even though he's much worse about environmental issues than Obama was Yes, but we've never been great here so I can't wait to see what happens with that case No we have not been great Yeah yeah. yeah. No, Ireland hasn't either I mean Ireland's not great either but something interesting happened in Ireland in July just earlier this month where um, the government divested its money from fossil fuels mm-hmm. which is like something any individual can do Right um, you can just check with your bank where where their money is, where your money is. Mm-hmm. Um, but when big institutions and and whole nations do it, it's very powerful. Yeah, you know that, that's uh, certainly been across the board. A lot of people, uh, universities and that kind of thing, also yeah. trying to. Have uh, Have you divested all of your podcast money? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I told you I bought that crystal on Instagram. <laughs> that's a... twenty eight bucks out the window. <laughs> 20... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! It's great. It's an ethical crystal. I hope. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> but ethics is the piece that's missing to a lot of the conversation. I appreciate that you're putting it back in there. I think that would be a, a draw. And do you feel like that's behind the impulse for you to do good? Because you're talking about immigration, you're talking about climate justice. I mean, these are not easy things. These are big issues. Um, is that a, a Mave thing? Is that an Irish thing? To want to combine comedy with something that's... Because you could just have, I'm talking to some buds, you know, somewhere. Yeah. Higgs and a buds. <laughs> <laughs> mm, listen to Higgs and a buds. Um, I, that's my other podcast, yeah. actually. <laughs> that's the one on WNYC, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Higgs and Your Buds Touching 40. And, uh, you know, we're all 37. And we also drink 40s. And it'll be the chronicle of your adventures over the next three years as you reach that uh, big decade. And really, there's no script. It's just (laughs) chatting. Oh, I love it. Isn't it great? I love it. Oh, we're free to say, do you think we're allowed to swear on the podcast? (laughs) Yeah, we are. Hold on. It sounds like you need to break for an ad (laughs) for (laughs) stamps.com. Casper mattresses. By the way, that's do, a comfortable do you need mattress. A website? <laughs> do you need a website? Why don't you try Squarespace? Fuck off. Uh, none of those things have worked, but be sure to download your free Audible book. Uh, so, and uh, our dear sweet Butter Boy is still going. Yeah. Butter Boy. Butter Boy. Every Monday, myself and Aparna Nancherla, the aforementioned Jason Waterfalls, Aparna Nancherla. Yes. And Joe Firestone. We do that every Monday. Now, often one of us is like traveling. Like I missed it last this week because I was away. Aparna is missing it now. She's got a job in LA. But usually two or three of us are there. And, you know, it touches on something that I think is evident in the book, but that there's a kindness to you, Maeve. Oh. And there's a kindness in those, the three people that host that show, yourself yeah. and Joe and Aparna, some of the kindest people I've met. The three graces. The three graces. <laughs> You've seen those marble statues of us. That's now right. come and see us walking and talking. <laughs> it's a rare thing, though, in, in comedy to be described as kind, and maybe that's not a positive. <laughs> I don't know if it is. I remember Eugene Merman was like, you know, he, he does this festival every year. I think yes. it's done now, actually, but you, the Eugene Merman Comedy Festival. And he was like, one year was going to put on a show, Nice Guy, Terrible Comic. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all about nice people who, like, are bad at comedy. Boy, I could have gotten on that show. You... <laughs> the only one I could have gotten on. But now it's done, like so many <laughs> <Did> things. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't 
do it in the end. But you would have been, seriously, you would have been in there, man. Thank you. Yeah. As I said, kind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I think the world of you, Maeve. And I, you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. That's why I paused. <laughs> <laughs> long, a long pause where I frantically looked around the room. Compliment and response. <laughs> well, I am so glad that you've arrived on our shores. I'd love to do something again. Yes. The book is Maven in America. Yes. And it's yes. out August 7th mm-hmm. everywhere from Penguin Books. You can tell because it has a penguin on it. Yes, and edited the... by an actual penguin. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. Mm-hmm. Couldn't you see all <laughs> yeah. the fish references? That's Those weren't mine. My gosh, now that you say it. That's great. Well, have a great rest of your summer, Maeve. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Oh, I adore her. I think she's wonderful, Maeve is. The book is wonderful, too. And look, if you're in Maine, you're at the beach, you're on the train, and you want a companion for your mind, this is a collection of essays for you. Your life will only be enhanced by owning it. So go seek it out, Maeve in America, won't you? I wish you the very best for the rest of your summer. I own a caftan now, and I made a trip to a special crystal place in Indianapolis. Get ready for more Deep Night when we return this September. Till then, remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night is brought to you by the Guana Souvenir Shop in Brooklyn and McGinty Salt Lamp Emporium and Discount Flooring in Bay Ridge. Simply the best for a good night's rest. Two things a body needs, a floor and some salt. McGinty's. Deep Night Season 10, podcast icon by Kelsey Roten. Season 10, theme by Zach Gabbard. Music throughout the show by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm. And a few weird things at the top of the show that I just download for cash from the internet. Venue support provided by the Slipper Room in New York City and recording studio services provided by Harvestworks in Soho. Thanks to all of my guests, Deep Night is independently produced and performed by James Bewley. Thank you for listening, and please consider rating and reviewing the show on whatever podcasting forum you're participating in but especially on Apple Podcasts, which does a great deal toward making Dale feel great, that's me, when he gets up, or is it, when he gets up in the morning for his son's salutations. Are you the best? You are. Close the portal.